Went through the numbers uh, late last week on this program. Southern Illinois battling COVID-19. Not a single ICU bed that's free. It is filled with the unvaccinated. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Now, that's your decision. I've said this uh, many times, many different ways. Uh, yay, freedom. But the problem is, if I have a heart attack downstate or I'm in a car crash downstate, I have to take a five-hour ambulance ride now to St. Louis or over to Nashville to find an ICU bed. That's a problem for me. I was reading this out of the uh, Sun-Times last week, and I came across our next guest, Aaron Herman, who is a... he has more than 20 years' experience in healthcare and human services. He's worked with U.S. governmental agencies, international groups, African Union, energy companies, media. Uh, he was involved in peacekeeping operations. He's uh, been to all seven continents, over 55 different nations. And he returned to southern Illinois to slow down and enjoy a more peaceful life right before the COVID pandemic hit. And now his experience in Haiti after an earthquake or 95 days at sea in the Gulf after the BP oil spill is coming back and quite useful, I would imagine. Aaron, welcome to WDL, sir. How are you? Thank you very much. Aaron is the hospital coordinator manager for Region 5, that is Southern Illinois. How severe is the lack of medical personnel, supplies, and specifically ICU beds downstate? Well, it's it's pretty shocking at the moment. Uh, we've been working very closely with the state of Illinois to get surge staff sent down our way. Uh, we've had just over 150 staff approved by the state. So far, 29 of them have arrived in our, um, you know, currently being impressed by our hospitals across the region. This has allowed us to open up about six additional ICU beds over the past week, but just as fast as we're opening these new beds, we're filling them with patients uh, because of the backlog that we've had in our emergency rooms. I think I know this, but give me a thumbnail sort of sketch of the patients that you're seeing seeing now that need the uh, ventilators and the ICU beds. So uh, right now we're looking at 41 patients that are COVID positive, currently in intensive care units, uh, these patients, compared to the earlier waves of the pandemic, they're coming in younger, they're coming in a lot sicker, and they're staying a lot longer in our in our ICUs. Considering some of the uh, regions and countries you've worked in previously, does this remind you of uh, third world nations? I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that it reminds me of a third world nation. I mean, we're still Southern Illinois. You know, we still have some of the best medicine available to us. Um, but we're definitely having to make very, very difficult decisions. We're having to manage our resources very, very carefully. And we are talking about, you know, doing things like setting up tents out in hospital parking lots, uh, we've we've been discussing all kinds of other mechanisms that we might use to try to decompress our hospitals and expand our bed space. You know, expanding upon the scope of practice of lower level clinicians, for example, uh, bringing people out of retirement, uh, bringing people that have been serving in administrative positions back out onto the floor into front facing patient care um, situations. 
So we're doing everything we can. Based on your experience working around the world, how can you convince anti-vaxxers that it's still not too late to get a vaccine, vaccination? Just by confronting them head on, you know, talk to them like people. You know, don't make this a political thing. Don't make this about red versus blue. You know, speak to people like adults and try to get to the heart of what their concerns are and address those concerns with facts. What does it tell you? I read a, a piece of Wall Street Journal or maybe New York Times uh, over the weekend, whereas uh, people of means that can, can do so are getting these three-hour transfusions, these antibody treatments now to give themselves the antibodies, cost thousands and thousands of dollars, takes three hours, as opposed to a $20 vaccination. Yeah, it's snake oil. It's absolute snake oil. And that's part of, the, of what's driving this current crisis is that if you delve into the Internet trying to find a solution, you're going to find it because there's bad actors, there's unscrupulous people that are playing to the fears of those people that are vehement that they're not going to get vaccinated. And Did so you have- if you search, you will find a solution. Uh, Aaron Herman is here, Hospital Coordinating Manager for Region 5 downstate, uh, the southernmost counties. Did you ever work in West Africa during the Ebola crisis? I did not. I was actually in Afghanistan uh, during the Ebola crisis, but I had several colleagues that were in Liberia. You know, it's just that you would, you would, they would have funerals for victims of Ebola where the friends and families of those who had died of Ebola would expose themselves to Ebola because that was the tradition. I mean, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around what anti-vaxxers are thinking. Have you seen this sort of this sort of thing before where the, people just dig their heels in and because they don't want to give in to Joe Biden or whatever their reasoning may be or they're so filled with the hocus-pocus or scared to death, I don't know what it is, but have, have you ever seen this before? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, during the HIV crisis in Africa, You know, a lot of people turn to traditional remedies, uh, to folk medicine, you know, trying to stay off, you know, HIV and AIDS infections. Um, And, I mean, if you look at South Africa as an example, their minister of health was vehement that antiviral medications did not work, that the only way to prevent yourself from getting HIV was through traditional folk remedies. So this is uh, nothing new. Yeah. Well, it's probably been going on since uh, human history began. Do you ever question your uh, your trying to move back to southern Illinois for a slower lifestyle in a calmer sort of environment, and you, you get back there and you're thrown right into the maw again? Absolutely not. You know, I, um, you know, I loved my work overseas. It, it was an adventure. Um, but to now be able to take those life lessons and bring them back to Southern Illinois, where my friends and family live, and be able to apply these life lessons, you know, it's it's really been a powerful experience. How successful were the 146 pop-up vaccination clinics in your area of the state earlier this year, February through July? I know you were part of that effort with the National Guard. Yes, so uh, we got a little bit of a slow start in February due to that unexpected winter weather we experienced. 
Uh, but going into March, you know, we hosted about oh, 23, I believe it was, separate events, and we have vaccinated about 5,700 people. You know, typically we were seeing 300 plus people at each of the events we hosted, and we really made an impact. But every month after that, our numbers dropped in half till we got into June and July, and we were doing, you know, pretty good if we got a dozen people per day at an eight-hour event. Wow. You know, so a lot of people would have, you know, walked away from that a little bit disheartened. But we were going into some of the most remote rural areas of southern Illinois, and I really think that every vaccine we delivered was a win. Because in a lot of cases, these people would not have had access to their shot otherwise. Starting to hear a lot of stories now about widows of men who have died, you know, who were essentially anti-vaxxers, thought it was all politics, thought it was all just some big hoax. And uh, now they're left with a, I saw one on one of the cable news networks. I'll actually play some of that for my listeners coming up. But, you know, it's like, well, we thought it was all BS, and it turns out that this relatively healthy husband, although he was overweight, I saw the uh, I saw the piece on him. Uh, now she's left with you know three kids, and thought it was all political. And she pointed out that it's a lot easier to get a jab in the arm than now have to be a widow. Well, you know, you think about that poor woman. You know, what medical bills is she being left with? You know, what are the losses to the lifetime income earnings of her husband? You know, what is the quality of life of her three children going to be like now? You know, that is an absolutely life-altering event that would have been completely, completely preventable. Well, we might not have ICU beds available right now, but I hope we have jail cells for the charlatans and the snake oil salesmen that mislead these people. Well, you know, I wish more people would get active, you know, that they would report these things, you know, to their, um, you know, to the Secretary of State's office, you know, that we would take action against these charlatans. Aaron, thank you very much for your time. Mr. Herman, we'll uh, check back with you again. Hopefully the situation will improve. All right. I look forward to it.